And here we are again with the season four of the Data Science at Home podcast. This time we have something for you. If you want to help us shape the data science leaders of the future, we have created the Data Science at Home's Ambassador program. Ambassadors are volunteers who are passionate about data science and want to give back to our growing community of data science professionals and enthusiasts. You will be instrumental in helping us achieve our goal of raising awareness about the critical role of data science in cutting-edge technologies. If you want to learn more about this program, visit the Ambassadors page on our website at datascienceathome.com. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. Today, I want to talk about data architectures. And uh, even though on this show, I have already mentioned uh, some of the architectures I'm going to discuss today, the purpose of this episode is to show that there has been some sort of evolution of data platforms and data architectures that have been driven essentially uh, by the use cases and by the particular volumes of data that the single organization uh, had to deal with in their lifetime. Now, there are a lot of products out there and uh, we can only be grateful of because the tools that data scientists have at their disposal today uh, with respect to the tools that they had or they didn't have five to ten years ago uh, is incredible. And so let's say the job and the work of the data scientist has changed in these last years. Uh, it has improved for some. Uh, it has probably degraded for some others or become has become probably more frustrating. Uh, but for example, several of the you know tasks that the data scientist of 10 years ago was used to perform are no longer needed uh, these days because indeed we have better tools, better strategies, better platforms, and definitely better architectures. Now, we can say that there has been an evolution uh, starting from the data warehouse, which was, you know, the uh, most well-known <laughs> old good database. Uh, think about the Oracle and, uh, of course, PostgreSQL, of uh, Microsoft SQL, SQL Server, and many, many others. Of course, they have been uh, the most important component in any organization, we can say, uh, regardless of the size and regardless of the of the types of data in the past uh, decades. But of course, the needs and the requirements of doing, um, let's say, more analytical tasks and uh, also starting from reporting, which was not a, an analytical uh, job, but it's uh, uh, you know, a form of visualization or uh, summarization of the data uh, in order to uh, take decisions uh, that are closer to the business closer to the business rather than uh, to the data scientist, engineer, or data expert. And so given the requirements and the needs of key decision makers in, uh, in companies and organizations, uh, we can say that uh, the uh, engineers have taken or have uh, uh, evolved towards different types of architectures, different types of platform, platforms just to fulfill these new needs over several decades. So we can make a list of these, uh, you know, architectures. You have definitely have heard of it uh, before, starting from the data warehouse to the data mart uh, to the data lake, 
data fabric, the layouts, and the data mesh. That's kind of the, you know, if you want to have uh, some sort of timeline uh, in which we have all these architectures evolving from the data warehouse back in the 60s and 70s to the data mesh, which is probably one, or the layouts, in fact, which is one of the most recent architectures and more recent evolutions uh, of the architectures in data. Now, of course, in this episode, I don't want to speak about what a database is. We all know what a database is, and uh, we also all know what are the limitations of a database. For example, the fact that uh, you have structured data almost all the time. Of course, we are ignoring the fact that we have key value stores, and so we can have also unstructured data nowadays. But the idea of the database, you know, old school database is to have a, uh, to be based on transactions, to be uh, to have some sort of consistency uh, to also have a schema in the data, which means that uh, once you have an ingestion layer that takes data from a data source into the database, we need to know, or well, the engineer has to know in advance how that data look like. And this, of course, you know, is something that for several organizations out there is still a very modern concept. So I, I guess that I'm going to uh, I'm going to stress a lot on this concept. You know, the fact that there is an evolution of data architecture doesn't necessarily mean that we all have to migrate to the new uh, architecture or to the new way of thinking about uh, data storage. Uh, so there are, there are, of course, some organizations uh, for which their business hasn't changed and uh, their, the, the type of data hasn't changed in decades, and for which, of course, the data warehouse and the old good database uh, like DB2 or all the uh, Oracle of the world, SQL Server, in fact, all you know, traditional RDBMS systems are still very modern concepts for these uh, organizations. The main reason why, for example, data lakes have been introduced uh, is to overcome some of the uh, technical limitations of, uh, uh, let's say, old school databases. And so, for example, the fact that old school databases and also data marts uh, you know, cannot actually deal with uh, um, semi-structured data, cannot really process semi-structured data. So think about JSON, XML, which are, you know, kind of defined uh, on, a, on a file basis, uh, if we can say that, and definitely not unstructured data, which is uh, documents, images, videos, audio, text, even. Uh, so, you know, this is, uh, you know, when an organization or the business in an organization is affected by the presence of new data, of course, this migration or this evolution of the infrastructure that they have to deal with uh, changes accordingly. And that's exactly what has happened for many of the organizations out there in, uh, in the decades. So the concept of the data lake uh, is a concept that, uh, uh, you know, it has its own benefits and limitations like any other data architecture for sure. Uh, probably one particular or a series of particular benefits that one would be looking at is the, uh, the fact that the object storage is usually low cost, which means that the actual place infrastructure where you actually put the raw data is something that uh, is usually low cost, right? Um, and the idea is that, uh, you know, you don't want to have, you know, you want to overcome the limitation 
in terms of costs, of course, of proprietary data warehouses that have been historically quite expensive beasts with a lot of maintenance, but also a lot of consultants sent by the company who produced that particular data warehouse system. Uh, and uh, you know, when it comes to when it comes to proprietary data and proprietary data formats, we all know how dangerous and or expensive that can be for the organization that is actually depending on that particular proprietary format. Now, of course, uh, data lakes come with some challenges. You know, it's not uh, all gold what shines. So uh, there is, for example, no support for transactional applications. Uh, there is low reliability. There is a relatively poor data quality, if I can say that, uh, due to the fact that, you know, when you uh, incentivize someone to put their data into one place that um, as a low-cost object storage there is no schema uh, enforcement there is no transaction no concept of transaction so no consistency at all uh, so there is essentially much lower reliability with respect to the old-school data uh, database well what happens to your data is that as time goes the quality of your data starts degrading and that's one of the probably the most um, the worst in fact uh, challenges that you have to deal with whenever you decide to move or to evolve towards a data lake architecture probably the best evolution from the data lake architecture um, you know in order to uh, overcome these limitations and these uh, drawbacks let's say in terms of data quality uh, is the data mesh and so we have discussed about the data mesh uh, extensively on this show. It's, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful ways to evolve from the data warehouse to the data lake uh, and then to something even better than that. Due to the fact that with the data mesh, there comes another important concept, which is the concept of uh, uh, areas or domains and uh, uh, data product owner. So that's kind of the, the, the new concept that comes from, uh, you know, together with the go hand in hand with the concept of data mesh. These are not necessarily extremely new concepts by themselves, but they are new when they are coupled with the concept of data because with the data mesh uh, you essentially have you know a domain expert or a team that is a domain expert for that particular use case or business unit uh, who knows exactly how the data looks like what to do with this data what type of applications you can run on this data what type of information you can extract out of this data and so on and so forth and so these teams in a some sort of decentralized fashion they own their own data and they also own the what is called the data product so there is no longer a centralized way of storing of storing raw data and putting it behind transactions but there is a data of decentralizing ownership of the data uh, and then of course centralizing the storage and the catalog uh, you know cataloging the data which is you know uh, giving the possibility to anyone in the organization to, for example, search for new domain data products or what are the domain data products that are not only available uh, to the public, but also the ones that can be accessed given some sort of access control lists, right? So there is, uh, I already mentioned, access control, global governance, 
that is decentralized ownership that is the concept of the domain data product that was pretty new when uh, uh, you know for data architectures and data platforms and i think that i still believe that the data mesh is the way uh, many of the organizations out there would migrate in the near future uh, i'm a big fan of the data mesh concept though i have to say that there is no standard in uh, that there is in fact no product that implements a data mesh data mesh is a concept it's not a product so you cannot go to the shop and buy the data mesh uh, that's what i can say uh, there are principles that are best practices of how to put a data mesh together for a particular organization and uh, you know leverage the particular use case of that organization so kind of uh, you know tailoring the concept of the data mesh to a particular organization and now let me tell you something important Cyber criminals are evolving. Their techniques and tactics are more advanced, intricate, and dangerous than ever before. Industries and governments around the world are fighting back, unveiling new regulations meant to better protect data against this rising threat. Today, the world of cybersecurity compliance is a complex one, and understanding the requirements your organization must adhere to can be a daunting task. But not when the pack has your back. Arctic Wolf, the leader in security operations, is on a mission to end cyber risk by giving organizations the protection, information, and confidence they need to protect their people, technology, and data. Their new interactive compliance portal helps you discover the regulations in your region and industry and start the journey toward achieving and maintaining compliance. Visit arcticwolf.com slash data science to take your first step. That's arcticwolf.com slash data science. Another architecture that uh, is also trying to solve similar problems to the ones solved by the data mesh is the data fabric. And the data fabric uh, is, you know, can be distinguished by the data, uh, the data mesh due to the fact that it's centralized, metadata-driven and technology-centric approach. So data fabric is essentially based on the concept of metadata, on the concept of catalog, uh, logical data models, and of course, the uh, delivery APIs that uh, will, let's say, move data from one uh, component to the other or from, or from one uh, uh, business unit to the other. There are three essential concepts uh, on top of which the data fabric uh, is usually built, which is compliance, uh, think about GDPR, IPPA, uh, FCRA, etc. Uh, data governance, that is, um, you know, access controls, lineage, uh, data quality, etc., and of course, privacy. Uh, for example, the component or the layer that allows one to uh, obfuscate or mask or encrypt or uh, simply, you know, redact uh, sensitive information, personal identifiable information, so-called PII, but also in fintech or in finance, for example, credit card numbers, and so on and so forth. If you look at, uh, you know, the architecture of uh, the data fabric uh, you have consumers on one side uh, below that you have you know the data life cycle management and the three core components or core concepts uh, uh, on top of which you build the data life cycle management which are governance privacy and compliance and below that you already have metadata management and catalog now on the catalog that's the centralized part of the data fabric 
you have the things that we know like uh, etl data virtualization uh, and of course below that you have the actual you know uh, infrastructure that stores the raw data think about the uh, you know rdbms and the data lakes cloud data stores uh, uh, legacy databases whatever you adobe or whatever you you might think of so you know if you see that it has been in history a relatively smooth transition from the concept of the data warehouse to the concept of the of the data fabric passing from all the other concepts that i've explained and if you look at history um, there isn't been no winner no loser in fact uh, when we call you know evolution it's something that is always good it depends where you are looking at these concepts have to be put into uh, a context uh, and as i said at the beginning of the episode uh, even a simple database, uh, old-school database, uh, would be perfectly fine for main organizations out there. So there is not really the necessity uh, to evolve your own architecture uh, just because there are new concepts. There will always be new concepts in, uh, in IT and in computer science and in uh, AI and machine learning. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to adopt them uh, the day after they get published. As I said, there's no winner, there's no loser, there's just the best approach and the best architecture that suits your business. So my take-home message today is way before the technology, pay much more attention to your use case, to what you need, to what your organization needs. Look at the uh, analytical workloads, for example. What kind of analytical workloads, workloads do you have? Uh, what's the variety of your data? Um, what's the data analytics maturity of your entire organization? These are the concepts that you should be looking at way before jumping and marrying to one particular technology. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll speak with you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.